Hey there, I'm Corey. This is Dead Air Radio. And when we are not on the radio airwaves on over 60 radio stations across the globe, you can always check us out at deadairradio.org. Now, when we are on the radio, we are the unofficial Grateful Dead radio program for official releases. And what that means is we only play music from the Grateful Dead that has been officially released. That's just what we do. And something else that we do is uh, we get guests. We get uh, featured interviews from time to time. You can always listen to previous interviews. Subscribe to the podcast at deadairradio.org, the iTunes store, also Google Play, Spotify. Just get that rolling on your Smarty Pants phone. This program, we are going to be nerding out not only on the Grateful Dead, but also comic books. Something that you should know in the early 90s, Grateful Dead, they had a quick little run of comic books put out by an outfit titled Kitchen Sink Press. Which is why we didn't say this is the first Grateful Dead comic, because it isn't. Those predated it. That voice who comes in like a comic caption bubble is a guy who's bringing the dead back to the comic strip. My name is Josh Franco. I'm the publisher of Z2 Comics. Now, before we get into the latest Grateful Dead graphic novel, let's go back a few pages with the Grateful Dead comics. That's comics with an X. Honestly, they're good comics. Dennis Kitchen's a great guy. Kitchen Sink was a legendary operation. It's sad it went out of business. You know, the story behind those, though, I don't know if you know, was uh, they sold well for the, respectably at the time, which was 50,000 units, which, by the way, now would make them an amazing selling comic, but sales have dwindled. But they were going to originally sell them at the Grateful Dead concerts, but the merch company who handled the concerts, there was some sort of deal that couldn't be reached. Which, you know, back in those days, a lot of the merch companies were run by the mob. So it was just like, who knows what happened? We can't be sure that the uh, Grateful Dead, they were fans of comics, and especially for one member in particular. The fun fact is, Jerry used to go to those comic parties all the time. And he was like, apparently the nicest guy and everybody loved him. I mean, it's not a salacious story. It's nothing um, like crazy, but it's a fun story. It's not very difficult to jump online and find Jerry Garcia talking about comic books. There's plenty of videos and interviews floating around. I mean, the artwork was so incredible, and they were also so brilliantly written. You know, I mean, you could read them. They were like reading novels. It's one of the ways I got into reading, really, I think. I think reading comic books. Jerry Garcia was a giant comic fan. One of the first things he bought when he got money was a original run of 1950s EC comics. I bought the collection from one person. They had they had three complete collections, all in mint shape. Wow! I bought the whole collection for two grand, <laughs> right. and it included everything. You know. Later in that same interview, I wouldn't say that I was a collector. Well, you should know that uh, when Garcia passed, his comic book collection was valued at thirty thousand dollars. I was a big follower of the underground comics movement. For more on the underground comics movement, we throw it back to Josh Frankel. I'm going to give you a rough history lesson in comics. In the, okay, so in the 1950s, something came about called the Comics Code and Authority. It was like a quality control to make sure comic content wasn't too mature or graphic or anything like that. And it arose out of this whole theory that comics were bad for kids, much the way people say video games are bad for kids now. So that came out, and literally any questionable content was erased from comics for around three to four to five years. And comics were kind of, they were good. 1960 Marvel comics are good, but they they were all superheroes. Maybe some romance comics and Disney comics. So there wasn't much else being done. So these guys came about and started creating like 
more blue comics. They were humorous. They were pushing the envelope. They were very tied into the hippie counterculture. These comics were very transgressive. They were humorous, very, they had sex, they had violence, they had heavy drug use, and they were mainly sold in head shops. The underground comics heyday were in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. At the height, some of these comics sold a million copies. All were sold underground, like in head shops. They helped comics break into the mainstream because, you know, I would say, you know, comics now, no, no one blinks an eye when you say you read comic books or graphic novels. It's still getting there, but it's pretty normalized. Now, this created a wave of talent from some of the most artistic characters around. Gilbert Shelton, S. Clay Wilson, Spain Rodriguez, uh, Kim Deitch, Charles Burns. You know, Art Spiegelman was an underground cartoonist <laughs> when he started. The biggest guy in that movement who you may have heard of is R. Crumb, who was one of the leaders of the under, like the underground cartoonist, did a Grateful Dead, I think, CD cover years ago. The album Frankel is referring to is The Music Never Stopped, The Roots of the Grateful Dead, which were songs the dead covered, but this album highlighted songs performed by the original artist. This is a song about morning dew, and I hope that it never falls on us. Another iconic album cover R. Crumb illustrated was Cheap Thrills by Big Brother and the Holding Company. shared history there. The rise of the counterculture was more than just music. What you, I think what I put this way is the Grateful Dead music was one aspect of that and underground comics were another aspect of that. And the way I would describe the graphic novel is it's distilling that time period. And what's so interesting to me is the graphic novel is an evolution of the underground comics movement and the Grateful Dead certainly evolved past their, you know, hippie jam band roots. Now that we have the early roots of underground comics and graphic novels, let's move into the Grateful Dead's relationship with comics in the late 80s. Captain America was always a very liberal superhero. In September of 1989, Marvel Comics released issue number 355 for the latest Captain America. On the last page, Captain America is in his executive office on Avengers Island. He gets a phone call from his old girlfriend. He has to tell her that he couldn't locate her missing sister who supposedly ran off. Captain America is interrupted with information, quote, She just took off with her boyfriend to follow the Grateful Dead on their concert tour and forgot to tell anyone. The final caption is from the Cap himself. He says, considering all the alternatives, this country could use a lot more deadheads. Captain America was always a very liberal superhero, by what people of you think. I started off by punching Hitler, which again, sounds basic, but in 1939, that was a, a strong position to take. 
In the early 1970s, he stopped being Captain America because of Richard Nixon and became Nomad. Actually, fun fact, if you watch the new Avengers movie... Oh, if you haven't watched the uh, latest Avengers Endgame, don't worry, this isn't a spoiler. If you watch the new Avengers movie, there's a Grateful Dead song in it. Now, let's uh, get into some spoilers for this new Grateful Dead graphic novel. I can't spoil too much, but it's really, it's going to be amazing. I think it's actually one of the best books we ever do. Yeah, as Captain America and his fellow comic book superheroes break box office records in the latest Avengers movie, the early days of the Grateful Dead is going to be told as a graphic novel. It's a history of the dead. So it starts with them as the warlocks and goes into their early you know, years and it ends with them being the Grateful Dead. Now, before we get into uh, more of the Grateful Dead origins graphic novel, we need more of a lesson about what's the difference between comic books and graphic novels. Here's Z2 Comics publisher. Comic sales of the 22-page floppies are dominated by Marvel and DC, the two big superhero companies. For those who don't know, DC's Batman, Superman, Marvel's Spider-Man, Iron Man. Those two companies represent around 70% of the sales in the direct market, which are comics. From there, their image, the third largest publisher, the purveyors of The Walking Dead and Saga, represent about 9%. So if you're getting in as a small publisher, you literally only have 20% of a pie to try to bite into. So it's really hard for a small publisher to break into the direct market. And also, even though things are, aren't, it's not super lucrative because these movies are doing so well, there's a lot of comic companies that wash in venture capital. So getting artists is harder than ever because there's all these companies that are losing money scooping them up. So that's the problem. Now, I know Josh is throwing out a lot of sales numbers and demographics, but this is really important. So don't try skipping ahead a few pages because we're going to tell you how Z2 Comics is doing something really, really cool for the field of comic books and graphic novels. So pay attention. The good part is comics in the book market, Barnes & Noble, Amazon is growing. The main growth engine of that are young adult comics and kids comics, Captain Underpants, Dogman, uh, tons of Scholastic books. They do really well. You know, they can sell millions. But in my mind, if you have all these kids reading comics, in five years, if you capture 10% of them, it'll be great. But a lot of people will buy graphic novels. They may not buy one, like 20 a year, but they'll buy one here and one there. So it's a less super consumery diehard audience, but it's a bigger audience. And the short answer of the difference between comic books and graphic novels? What is a graphic novel? It's really just a long comic book. All right. As I said earlier, we heard a lot of sales numbers, statistics. That's important to know because Josh Frankel and Z2 Comics, they saw this amazing opportunity to become pioneers by finding this unique niche with the marriage of comics and music. Now, this amazing marriage actually kind of started out a little bit ugly. We were running a comic company for, you know, two, three years, and we weren't making any real money, but it was death by a thousand cuts, right? There'd be a little cost here, a little cost there, and what profit you did make the a thousand cuts took. So it was at the point where I was like, I don't want to, I can't keep doing this anymore, but I'll just go get a job somewhere. 
until we got this one pitch, which was for a book called Murder Ballads, which had a soundtrack by Dan Auerbach of the Black Keys. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. It could be a hit. And if you're wondering how we got the murder ballads book over everybody else, is everybody else passed on it. A lot of comic companies are run by older people. I think a lot of publishers just didn't understand that or understand the concept behind it. I was like, let's give this a try. If it works, we'll keep going. If it doesn't work, we'll call it quits. And that's kind of how we got into it. books need to be good. Achieving greatness is harder. So professional is just, is this book of professional quality? Is the art of a quality where it's publishable? Is the story of a quality when it's published? There's a lot of great comics being made right now by a lot of great companies. And then there's some not so great comics made by some not so great companies. We only do good books. That's one of our like prime directives. And all our books have to be of like the highest quality. There's easy ways to tell that from a publishing perspective. The way the hands are drawn, the way the movement goes, the face, a lot of things. Murder Ballads was the best decision we ever made. We did the Murder Ballads book. It got sold better than our other books and it got a lot of press. So we figured, you know, we should keep pushing this. We started talking to more and more music people and it just kind of went from there and including a meeting with Rhino about a few of their bands. And of course, when you, you know, Grateful Dead is huge. Honestly, the Grateful Dead have a better visual sense than probably almost any other band. I can only give a handful that is good. Their art's iconic. Again, the book will honor those visuals. It plays in pretty well. The artist Noah Van Skyver is a pretty prominent underground artist. The Grateful Dead were very tied into the underground comics. So we picked Noah because he's younger, but he builds himself as like the spiritual successor to the underground comic scene. So we felt it was apt. It's common in comics to have a writer and an artist. And the reason we picked Chris Miscavige is he's a very good comics writer and underappreciated, but he's also a meticulous researcher. And so we wanted someone who would research the book heavily. And, you know, there's a lot of dead history. I mean, they were around for 40, 50, 60, you know, they're, they're still around. Point being, he researched really well. Like, it's one of the tightest comic scripts I've seen. We're consulting with David Lemieux a lot. David Lemieux is the Grateful Dead's official band archivist. You know, it's going to be painstakingly accurate and a great read. I think hardcore deadheads may discover something new, but again, you guys are a hardcore bunch. You may not, but you'll see it in a new, interesting way. But more importantly, we're not just targeting hardcore deadheads. I know you guys are going to buy the book and love it, but we're targeting the general market as well. So for someone who maybe has heard Casey Jones on the radio or likes Touch of Grey, 
and is interested in the Grateful Dead, but not a hardcore deadhead, they'll maybe pick up this book and it'll be an introduction. And to me, that's as important as pleasing the hardcore fan base. But the hardcore deadheads definitely have to be pleased with the idea of the Grateful Dead Origins graphic novel as a graphic album. You're getting a really super high-end book, a vinyl album, and that comes with a download code of unreleased Grateful Dead music. New variations. It'll be stuff from that time period. Some concert stuff nobody's heard before. It'll be cool. We like to have the music tie in somehow. So for the Murder Ballads book we did years ago, it's about a band. So the songs in the book are actually the songs on, that are packed in. So if you read the book and you see the songs, it's like, oh, that's the song they're playing right now. It'll work, but how, you know, that's... I don't want to spoil any surprises for anybody that way. The anticipation got even more intense when I asked him about maybe another release, maybe Grateful Dead Part 2 with Z2 Comics. We're focused on making the best product right now. And who knows what the future holds? What happens in the future? We'll see. As for that current project. There's a deluxe edition available on our website. That's going to become oversized 9x15 hardcover. It'll come in a slipcase with three art prints and as well as a vinyl. Then there's the regular edition soft cover. It'll be printed very nicely. And that'll just be the book itself. And there'll be also be music in that book. That won't be unreleased, but it'll maybe some rare stuff. Very cool. A pleasure to talk with Josh Frankel of Z2 Comics. Looking forward to that Grateful Dead Origins graphic novel album set to release April 2020. It's been a great pleasure. We're really enjoying this and we're really happy to see such excited fans. It's the one you can show your friends who don't know comics. You're like, oh, Grateful Dead, I've heard of them. Even if they don't know, the, even if they don't listen to the music, like, everyone knows the Grateful Dead. Thank you.